Uh, he is the author of Canceling Comedians While the World World Burns, which is a book that is uh, comes out, I believe you said the day it was May 1st. Yep. Uh, May Day, which is a very good and exciting day to <laughs> release your book. And then uh, he's also the author of uh, Give Them an Argument, Logic for the Left. And he's also got a uh, show of the same name. Ben, how you doing? I am. Uh, I'm, I'm. I'm pretty good. Uh, I have. Uh, you know. I've. I've gotten my. My two vo- doses of. Uh, of Pfizer. So there's like the. Uh, the five G is in my blood now. It feels good. It feels invigorating. Uh-huh. Oh, your Pfizer? Okay, the show's over. This is done. Moderna gang all the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, obviously. But uh, yeah, man, that's that's awesome that uh, you know yeah. that you're all you're vaxxed up and you're ready to go. Yeah, it's a it's a tolerant show. You can be Pfizer or Moderna. I mean, obviously, you know, J and J freaks you know need not apply. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. We can't let these uh, like these little things like uh, vaccine type divide the left. If you know <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so you got a brand new book out uh, called yep. Canceling Comedian While the World Burns. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about uh, what inspired uh, putting this thing together? I was able to read uh, a little bit of it and gotten the, gotten the sort of, sens- um, you know, the gist of the first couple of chapters. But, uh, yeah, what was the inspiration and, and what are we, what are we uh, talking about here? Yeah, so, I mean, the book is basically inspired by uh, my immense frustration uh, with a lot of things about the contemporary left uh, that uh, that I think are really uh, counterproductive, that you know are, are ways that people do things that uh, seem to be almost designed uh, to uh, to make it harder for us to appeal uh, to the you know broadest possible base of people who uh, who might otherwise be uh, be won over uh, by our platform. And you know I, I don't want to suggest that you know if we uh, if we got our act together, uh, then uh, that would, you know, like we can will ourselves into, you know, like immediate victory or anything. Uh, there are much larger, you know, factors here. Uh, but I think that the part of it that is under our control, you know, we, we should we should be attentive to that. If, if there are things that we're doing that uh, that make us uh, less uh, that make us less appealing, that uh, that have that that seem to indicate that you know that we're we're doing things wrong then uh then that we should uh uh then we should cut it out and so i think a lot of that has to do with a certain kind of moralistic approach to politics that seems to me to be much less uh, uh about a project to uh to con- you know convince as many people as you can possibly convince to you know, get together with you, whatever you might disagree on for a, for a larger project to change in the world. And seems to me to be much more about sort of signaling your individual moral commitment uh, to opposition to uh, the injustices of the world around you and to interrogating other people's uh, individual moral commitment. Uh, and, uh, and ultimately I'm, I'm with, um, you know, Adolf Reed, who I remember said uh, once on this subject, well, one of the times he was interviewed on TMBS, uh, this is just too Protestant of a way of approaching politics. It, it seems to be, uh, it seems to be all about figuring out, you know, who's going to heaven and uh, and who's going to hell, and that shouldn't be the point. Yeah, of course he would say that. A Catholic would say that. But uh, anyway, his his follow up line is that uh, it's very important. Uh, you know, of course, as you point out, you know, Reed is uh, is as he sometimes describes himself an old Catholic gentleman. You know, oh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, he uh, his follow up line was it's. Uh, it's very important that you raise your kids either Jewish or Catholic, or else there's a danger that they grow up religious. <laughs> right, exactly. And as a, I, I think he went to he went to Catholic school in New Orleans, uh, so so he would he would know. And I went to one year of Catholic school myself, uh, so I figured it out, and that was enough for me. So there you go. Um, but yeah, um, we've actually had Adolf on the show. He's a, he's a good friend. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, so I guess to kind of dig into a couple of examples, uh, that you've seen of that, um, you've talked, I mean, 
the you know the title of the book is canceling comedian while the world world burns um there were some instances of comedians um that you know they sort of like become this sort of hyper target of uh criticism and of sort of i guess vitriol of certain yeah. sort of i want to say marginal sections of the left i guess you could yeah. say um and like i guess the question that I, comes to my mind is why are you looking to comedians to guide your politics or your or why are you looking to culture to divide to guide your politics a little bit more broadly speaking and also like why are you trying to like make your politics into comedy as well like this is sort of like a double-edged problem that's ruining both in a certain yeah. no exactly that's exactly right that uh i think that when people uh you know get and you know canceling comedians the the opening chapter uh is is about you know the comedy wars uh but that's the chapter that inspired the title both because you know it alliterates and that's always nice uh but also uh because uh i think that it is uh it's it's like a sort of the most extreme example of the kind of nonsense moralism being critiqued in the book because if you are criticizing like what somebody says in a stand-up comedy set in such a earnest and, and intense way that you'd think that like you know, I don't know, Bill Burr were running for the National Political Committee of DSA and this were his platform that he were giving you, uh, then I, I think that in a way that's the flip side of the same disease that led so many liberals uh, in, um, you know, whatever that was, like, you know, like eight years ago uh, to uh, to follow uh, John Stewart uh, to uh, Washington, D.C. Yeah. to march in the rally to restore sanity. Uh, yeah. What a great day that was for all of us. <laughs> well, that's when we restored sanity. Uh, <laughs> exactly. like, can you imagine how bad the last eight years would have been if we hadn't restored yeah. sanity? I mean, yeah. my God. Uh, yeah. Uh, and of course, um, yeah, I mean, of course, the, the Stuart rally to restore sanity thing was, uh, you know, was, 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 was asinine. It was just the mm -hmm. most vacuous kind of centrism. But I think the larger question is why were all of these people uh, going to a political rally because a comedian told them to? There's something really weird about that. Uh, and I think it's the same weird thing that's inspiring uh, people to, like, say there's some, like, Dave Chappelle, you know, uh, makes, uh, you know, makes a joke and, you know, in, in one of his specials uh, about uh you know about transracialism basically you know whether whether you can uh can identify uh as as a race that doesn't you know doesn't line up with your your uh your parentage uh and i i seriously doubt that 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 Chappelle himself uh has like a a worked out position on that issue because like mm -hmm. he's a he's a comedian i mean i don't i don't that's not really what comedy is for right uh, is you know having like earnest well-worked out positions that you then argue for that would just make it a polemical essay and not a comedy set but like when, when you know but what he what he was doing there is he's uh exploring the ambiguities of uh of hop on issues and sort of exploring the uncomfortable boundaries of uh of, of how we feel about different things and how they don't quite seem to fit together sometimes uh, for the purposes of finding humor and the ambiguity, which is, you know, which is what comedy should do. And, you know, when you say, Oh my God, Dave Chappelle is, you know, is, is transphobic trash, you know, he's, he's the worst person ever. Uh, it, it, it seems to me that, you know, that you are displaying the same assumption made when you think that like, John Stewart is the vanguard of your movement, yeah. uh, which, which is that in both cases, uh, you're assigning this tremendous political importance uh, to comedy that that doesn't really make sense. Like, it, it, like why would why would comedy have that kind of uh, political political role in the first place? Like, what what do you think it has the uh, uh, what do you think it even has the potential to do? So, like, my two objections to this are one, uh, just on a cultural level, just as somebody who enjoys comedy like um i think that as you said trying to merge politics and comedy is is uh is you know is terrible for comedy it, it, it leads to like this sort of insufferable you know hannah gatsby kind of like clapter stuff which is uh you know which which is 
you know, seems to be more designed to, you know, to inspire, you know, oh my God, that's so brave, you know, than to, uh, than to actually, uh, you know, make people, uh, make people laugh. Mm -hmm. uh, and also I should say it inspires plenty of equally insufferable anti-woke comedy, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that like, in fact, a lot of, a lot of good comedy now, like people who really are very talented, you have to like sit through 10 minutes of tedious, predictable, nobody can make a joke anymore material. Oh you know, my <laughs> no, before you get to so unbearable too. I hate when people say that stuff. <laughs> before you get to the good stuff, so it's bad for comedy, and yeah. it's also bad for politics because, uh, because this this ultimately reflects this this kind of liberal uh, vision of how political change works. It's it's like uh, it's it's like the way you know if you watch uh, Aaron Sorkin's Into the West Wing, which uh, I, I, I'm tempted to say that i wouldn't recommend but i guess i would recommend like just as a sort of window into the liberal mind yeah, constructive yeah <laughs> and, uh, and stomach it what's that if you can stomach it that is i mean yeah yeah yeah. if you can stomach it it's constructive you know it's 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 again it's at least informative about how they think <laughs> how they see the world and uh and it's in um you know and in the west wing like president bartlett basically wins political battles by making really like stirring speeches where his oratory just like stuns and shames the Republicans into silence. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And a lot of this, you know, gl political glamorization of, uh, of comedy uh, works the uh, works the same way that like the, the fantasy is it's like, uh, well, think about when, um, when John Oliver uh, did that drump bit Trump, in, uh, yeah. during the, the 2016 election, uh, and like the way, like how excited liberals got about John Oliver's Trump uh, segment, and and how many of them insisted on got him, got him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, now he'll be so ashamed uh, by this because we owned him so hard that he's just gonna have to like drop out of the race and like crawl back under, you know, uh, crawl back into the hole that, you know, he came from. And it's like, no, nobody cares. Uh, and, and, you know, cause of, cause it's not, that's not how it, it works. I mean, the whole fantasy is basically that it's going to, you know, that like the, the comedian or in the sort of more uh, humorless versions of the fantasy, like president Bartlett or like the, um, uh, the uh, good night and good luck thing, you know, that's, you know, have you at last no decency, sir? Uh, you know, like, like in all of the versions of the fantasy, you know, it's like the problem is that somebody hasn't just like had like a really good line yet. Yeah. To, you know, and, and I guess I'd, I'd like to be a materialist and, and think that, uh, that it's, it's more plausible to think that, uh, that political change reflects material conditions, the balance of forces on the ground and not who has really, really good zingers. Like, you know, I don't, like it's, it's, it's very tempting to think like there's like, there's this deeply ingrained idea that like, Oh, mm -hmm. the, you know, the comedian can be like the, you know, uh, the canary in the coal mine. They'll be like the, the court jester. Who's the only one who can get away with telling the King, you know, that uh, the peasants are starving. But like, the thing is, Speaking truth to power is actually pretty worthless. Power mm -hmm. knows the truth. They don't care. Yeah. And like it, like another part of that, like especially with the Sorkin thing, is that there's this assumption of shame, like assumption that if like <laughs> if you make like Donald Trump or whatever, or like Mitch McConnell, the like most soulless man on the history that I've seen in my entire life, like if you just make him feel bad enough, he'll just stop doing evil things and start doing nice things and make you know rainbows and unicorns and that whole that whole thing. Yeah. And, Sort of like it, if these people were right. capable of shame, they wouldn't have managed to climb over all the other people yeah. they had to climb over to get to these positions. Yeah, in the, first yeah, the place. lack of shame is a prerequisite for the position that they exactly. hold. <laughs> um, I do want to like sort of touch on, like, I guess maybe to just drive the conversation a little bit forward in terms of like, yeah. you're not saying that you cannot have something like political comedy either. Like, like uh, David Feldman, who you're talking, like, we were just talking about before on show, he does like. It's fairly explicitly political comedy, wouldn't you say? And like that is something that can be done. However, like he knows and he understands that he's not leading a movement with that comedy. He's just I, I don't know. I, I guess we're gonna talk a little bit about that, or maybe kind of sure, like yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, David Feldman uh, is uh, is somebody I I'm a big fan of. Mm -hmm. uh, he's um, you know like 
uh, yeah, Michael Brooks introduced me to him like the morning after the first time I was on TMBS in uh, in person, uh, and uh, and I've I've been on his show like you know most weeks since then in the last couple of years, um, and uh, and he's uh, and he's actually uh, he's actually somebody I bring up in the comedy chapter of the book as somebody yeah. who knows how to tell a a, a joke that will offend you but also make you laugh. Right. Uh, and, uh, and I think, um, oh my God. Yeah. I love the, uh, the, somebody in the chat brings up the, uh, the, the, uh, the lefty from way back. Oh my God. Yeah. What a great bit. <laughs> All time classic David Feldman bit. Uh, yeah. And, and, and also I should say like, uh, you know, as somebody who, uh, who was a, uh, who was a teenager in the late nineties, uh, and you know, with the, when, uh, Howard Stern was a much bigger deal, uh, the um, a fact that another one of uh, Feldman's very regular guests was um, uh, Jackie, uh, yeah, the, Oakman, yeah. Uh, which uh, who, who was you know Stern's main writer back then. Uh, you know, is is the fact that I would regularly share a billing with this guy is something that would have made seventeen year old Ben very happy. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I don't think... in the nostalgia spot, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Uh, but uh, but I, I I mean I don't think there's anything wrong you know with um, you know with with having political comedy like you know like you can you can mine uh, politics uh, for comedic material and and that's fine I, I I will say actually I think David's an interesting example because you know he does um, you know cross those streams but also uh, but also like most of his political material you know like most of his political commentary is actually pretty earnest like he'll he'll, yeah. he'll he'll do a bit sometimes, but I mean, usually he's deadly serious and he's not really doing comedy in that part. But, uh, but I think there's, but yeah, you can absolutely mine, uh, you know, politics uh, for, uh, for material for comedy. You can mine politics for, for material, for, uh, for, you know, for novels, for, uh, for, for, for movies, for, you know, for, for, you know, visual art for whatever. And, you know, and, and I'm sure we could come up with, amazing examples of all of those art forms that that are you know that are drawn from the political concerns of uh, of the artists uh but i would make a distinction between that and and thinking that the comedy or the novel or whatever is itself uh a a uh, a tool of political uh of political change that that, yeah. that that i think there's a there's a distinction between those those two things that you know you think like okay are you going to every uh you know look i mean every movement needs marching songs it's good that somebody's writing them but uh but you also uh but you also don't want to have your primary way of, of thinking about and critiquing music to be okay what's the politics of this what's the politics of this because for one thing that's going to make, I mean, like for lousy art criticism, because, uh, because people, if you're primarily concerned with the political valence of a, uh, of a comedy special or, or an album or a novel, uh, then that's going to lead you often, I think, to being like really like literalistic yeah. about how you interpret it, you know, because, because you're, because you're constantly looking for a message that, and oftentimes even the best of these things, even when they are drawn from the political concerns of the creator uh, are a little ambiguous, right? Cause I think art tends to be like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then also like, again, I, I, I just don't think this is, I just don't think this is a particularly good theory of change. I mean, this is almost like uh, this is almost like left Breitbartism. You know, remember uh, Andrew Breitbart, you know, one of his famous sayings was that uh, politics is downstream from culture. And, uh, and, and I would say, no, it's not right. Like it's uh, uh, like, like if anything, you know, uh, more often it's more true. The, uh, the, the other way around that, you know, like the culture is, you know, culture is downstream from, uh, from politics that you have, uh, that once the material conditions change, once the political institutions change, you know the sort of culture it tends society tends to produce is different. Yeah, it's it's a reflection of the essentially the conditions that are on the ground. That's what culture is, right? That's what sort of culture sort of becomes. You are, let me just pause for station ID real quick. Uh, you're listening to WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade. We have on the show the author of the book, Canceling Comedians While the World Burns, a critique of the contemporary left. On the program, uh, Ben Burgess, 
uh, we are talking a little bit about specifically about comedy and uh, sort of how that, um, you know, how the sort of interplay and, you know, the uh, question of like, or the sort of orientation, the Breitbartian like uh, culture, I'm sorry, politics is downstream of culture. And we're sort of saying, no, it, it's sort of the opposite, right? That, that, that culture is a reflection of our conditions and our politics and our, and our, uh, the way that things are. And, um, I, I did want to get into one more specific and it's sort of become like, I don't know why people care so much about Joe Rogan, but like he is just like viewed as either like the like regular working man's like comedian or whatever, or like Satan himself who like hates all trans people or whatever. And I'm just sort of like, why you give a shit about Joe Rogan? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's the Joe Rogan thing I, I, I find, um, you know, particularly, uh, particularly frustrating because um, it's, it's not that you can't find examples of, of, of Joe Rogan saying stupid shit. Uh, yeah. You know, he, he, he certainly has. I mean, he, he's, uh, uh, we're talking about somebody who's, who's put out, I don't know, thousands of hours of, uh, of, of, of podcasting by his own admission. Yeah, quite that's a week quite a bit you know quite a bit of it by his own admission wall high uh you know he he's he's he's, uh he said uh he said some dumb things uh and uh and he's also not somebody who is um you know is is really fixated on on politics i think he cares at least as much about you know like he's at least as interested in psychedelics and mixed martial arts and like he calls him an ape half the time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as, uh, as he is in uh, as he is in, in in politics i mean like if you if you add up all of the political guests that he's had over the years i mean it's a bunch because he's been he's been doing this like you know 20 times a week for the last 200 years but uh uh but it's like a it's a fraction of the actors and comedians and martial artists you know who've uh uh who've who've been on the show and so i think that uh, I think Rogan is, you know, like, I mean, I think there's a sense in which uh, he's, you know, and I don't want to exaggerate this because I think he's definitely represents a very specific type of guy. Right. But like, he, uh, he's, uh, but the, the sense in which he's kind of an every man is that he's, he's, he's also, he's kind of all over the place. He's a little confused, you know, because he, uh, because he's not a political obsessive like we are. Uh, he, uh, he's just, He's somebody who what's that? He's just vibing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's just vibing. So like he has uh, you know, he has some very progressive takes on some issues and some very reactionary takes uh, sometimes. He uh he he he's you know definitely too interested in conspiracy theories for my uh, for my tastes. Uh he he has a massive tendency to nod along with whatever his guest is saying. Yeah. Uh, and you know, so which is part of his appeal that he's so amiable. Uh, if yeah. uh, like, if, if he's got, um, you know, like if, if he's got Brett Weinstein on, he'll nod along to everything, you know, Brett Weinstein says, if he's got Cordell West on, he'll nod along to everything, you know, that Cordell West says. Mm-hmm. And I think that like a lot of people who aren't political obsessives, uh, he has, that doesn't mean he doesn't have like political instincts or political reactions to things. It just means that, he hasn't spent enough time thinking about it for those instincts and reactions to cohere together into any kind of internally consistent uh, worldview, which guess what? Like that's most people, <laughs> that's most people. Most people haven't done that because most people don't spend as much time thinking about this stuff uh, as, uh, as, as, as we do, or as any of like the libertarians I argue with do yeah. or whatever. Right. You know, like, uh, so, uh, so I think that like, it really, what really bothered me about this, uh, you know, I guess a little over a year ago, uh, when, you know, Joe Rogan, uh, you know, kind of sort of endorsed Bernie Sanders. He did it in a very Joe Roganish way. He was like, yeah, man, I, you know, I, I think I'll probably vote for Bernie Sanders. I like that dude, you know, uh, that, uh, okay. This is the, uh, most popular podcaster on the face of the planet. He has a, uh, he has a vast audience of not super political uh, listeners, and he says he's going to vote for you. And that okay. if, okay. unless you're completely like, like uh, criminally incompetent, 
uh, at running a campaign. Of course, you're going to like trumpet that to the four corners of the earth if you possibly can, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, it's because uh, it's incredibly useful. He has this giant audience of people who like him, so that endorsement from him is great. He has uh, he's it's also proof of concept if you're trying to show that like you can appeal to people who wouldn't necessarily you know vote for you know just any random Democrat. Uh, so so this is this is great. This is great news. Now to understand people's objections. If uh, there was some sort of like process of negotiation here where uh, Rogan was only willing to endorse Bernie if Bernie agreed to drop something from his plat medical needs anymore in his Medicare for all. Plan. Sorry, I lost it for a second. Can you, can you, can you back back just a little bit? Oh, sure. I was saying that like I would I would understand the objection if mm-hmm. uh, if the the Rogan endorsement of Sanders had come about as some sort of process of like negotiation where, you know, Bernie had to drop something from his platform in exchange for, you know, Rogan's endorsement, like, oh, you know, he's, he's going to agree to drop like, you know, funding trans people's, you know, medical needs from his Medicare for all, you know, plan in exchange for Rogan's endorsement. If that was the situation, yeah, I would understand the objection, but instead what you have is somebody who is a little all over the place politically, who you can imagine land in a number of different directions agreeing without preconditions oh yeah i like him i'm gonna vote for him that's what you should want if you think the goal of politics is to get more people to uh well in electoral politics you know the goal is to get more people to vote for you than to vote for the other guy then that should be that should be great but a lot of people uh a surprising number of people you know were outraged about that of course some of that a lot of that was ginned up by bad faith actors supporters of other candidates uh, but I saw a lot of people with that Democratic Socialist red rose emoji and their Twitter handles who are, you know, who are saying like, oh, no, that's pretty bad. You know, Bernie shouldn't have accepted, you know, that endorsement. And that strikes me as indicating a view of politics that is is much more about taking a sort of symbolic moral stand than about trying to change the world. And that's. I think yeah. the thing that all the things I'm criticizing the book have in common. And there's a weird pathologizing that goes around that too. Like, like the idea. So one of the things that you would see, like, um, like, like people say, and this is Twitter and I'm stupid for going on Twitter, but you know, I mean, you and I both know that, you yeah. know, no matter, no matter how many times you get out and it pulls you back in. But um, right. one of the things you sort of see on Twitter is that like folks will say that, oh, well, this says something about says something negative about Bernie. Uh, it says that he like he appeals to these kind of people. And why isn't he denouncing like like uh, Joe Rogan's transphobia, which or, you know, like that it, it's very sort of um, I don't know. It, it's almost like like if you except like so, like uh, if somebody says something nice about you then they're essentially like you have to take on every single part of that person other or otherwise like you're you're agree with them 100 percent. it's very like it doesn't make any it, it doesn't make any sense to me no no it doesn't make any sense especially because like again uh most people are not you know like do not have pristine views that we would love uh, in every in every aspect. I mean, like, go maybe not right now, you know, if you uh, haven't gotten the uh, your second vaccine dose yet. But uh, once you do, uh, go out and and talk. To, you know, like like just talk to your neighbors, talk to your coworkers. You know, like like talk to uh, talk to the next guys driving an Uber that you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you will find out very quickly that the vast majority of uh, of people. And I'm not saying this in some way where I think like. I've got like, cause this is always like the, what people will accuse. Yeah, why are you appealing to racists? Yeah. 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 Like, it's not like I'm saying that like, Oh, everybody is uh, everybody out there, you know, like the whole working class is made up of like white men and hard hats and Norman Rockwell paintings who are, you know, who, 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 are, who have really like socially reactionary views. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying that most people like have eclectic mixtures of views about different topics because most people aren't political obsessives. So to the extent that they have views, you know, like they don't quite all cohere together. Uh, and, uh, and so, 
it's not that everybody has the same bad views. It's just that it's just that everybody has a few bad views here and there, right? You know that they uh, and and the point surely should be to uh, to try to uh, one appeal to as many people as possible. Uh, to fight for the things that even if they have bad views about other subjects, if they can at least agree, that's like, oh yeah, we should like we should have healthcare, right? You know that like you can that you can at least get them to fight for that. And two, sure, to the extent that they have bad views, like you know you want to persuade them uh, to uh, to not have those bad views anymore. But my question would be, what do you think is going to be a more effective means of persuasion? Uh, excommunicating anybody who has a bad view about anything and, and denouncing them and then refusing to have anything to do with them and shunning them. Is that going to be the best way or yeah. maybe is the best way to be friendly and welcoming and, uh, and then like, you know, once you communicated that you basically like them and you see them and as, as being on your side, you know, then you can work on the rest of it. You know, like, like I always think about, um, uh, I've seen this movie, uh, Madawan, Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, it's from uh, I think it's like from the 1980s uh, James Earl Jones is in it uh, I'm uh, uh, I'm bad with actors I, I, I can't list off everybody else but I definitely knew him uh, yeah, but, really get into the movies they're, they're the characters they're not the actors anymore yeah 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 yeah, that's my excuse. Uh, I'm just, I'm just. It's not that I just have a globally terrible memory for names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it's a, uh, but yeah, Madawan uh, is a movie I'd really recommend. It's, it's actually kind of like a remarkable thing that it was made within the Hollywood uh, studio system. Uh, is it's a movie about like the Cold Wars in West Virginia in the 1920s. Uh, the, uh, the main character is like a wobbly, you know, union organizer. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, no, it's awesome, but uh, but but it also uh, correctly portrays the process by which I mean, this is historically, you know, I, th- I think pretty accurate. Uh, there were all of these like uh, as like some of these coal strikes were being organized, there was there were like there was all this friction over like oh hey, uh, you know, here's this like all white backwoods, you know, like coal town. Uh, and they brought in some black people to uh, work as scabs, but we think we can get them to walk off and join us. Oh crap. Do we really have to let black people in the union? I really don't want to do that. Right. Now, we kind of have to, or we're not going to win. Right. Uh, and then like, you even see like some of like the uh, black miners be like, Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't like the, the fact that there are Italians in the union, you know, is, is, is that, uh, you know, it's like, no, indiscrimination. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I like that this is the second Sopranos reference you've uh, you've dropped so far in this episode. Uh, you know, after uh, after uh, Sylvia Dante uh, doing Michael Corleone said, you know, I thought I was out. You know, and they, uh, yeah, they yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, but I think oftentimes, I mean, this this sounds cheesy, but like one of the best ways historically to get people to uh, to get over dumb attitudes and petty forms of prejudice. Is to show them uh, that they uh, that that they're going to benefit from uh, from working together with people and some kind of common effort that they have that they have common enemies and you know and 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 once you sort of do that pragmatically and you're engaged in a in a common you know project then uh, then then oftentimes not completely it's not perfect but you know but oftentimes you just get over it. Yeah, you literally learn through the struggle. You learn by force of working with people that, oh, actually the enemy isn't my, you know, my brother who's black over here or, you know, a sister who's trans over there or whatever. The enemy's capital and the enemy's the boss. That is that is exactly right. Uh, let me pause for station ID real quick, and we'll continue. You are listening to WHIV LP New Orleans 102.3. Uh, this is Good Morning Comrade. We have Ben Burgess on the show. Uh, Canceling Comedians While the World Burns is the book that he has coming out May 1st. Uh, you can get more information about that uh, at your website. You have a website, Ben? I do. Uh, it is uh, it is ben, uh, benburgess.com. Uh, so that's yeah. Yeah, that's that's the that's the one stop shop. You can get links to everything else from there. Cool. And uh, so, yeah, the um, the the those um, to kind of sort of continue on the, on that point. There has been a certain amount of uh, <laughs> G Wolf in chat says disclaimer: this method doesn't work with your family. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> he, he just kind of on them the hardest and the longest. 
Go ahead, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I will say, I will say this. I've, I've, there are, uh, whew, I'm going to be real careful about how, about, uh, how much of this I want to say on the radio, but, uh, but I, uh, there, there are people, uh, who I, uh, I, I may or may not be related to who I've probably spent longer being mad at about some of this stuff than anybody else. Uh, but, uh, uh, but yeah, there's all, you know, but I think of course that's cause, uh, you know, that's, that's cause you're going to be, uh, you're going to be angrier about mm-hmm. them. And actually that's going to make it harder to use these techniques that we've been talking about uh, because, because you can't like, you know, with somebody that you kind of know, right. You can sort of like, you know, get mad and have a beer and like get over it. Right. You know, and, and then, you know, where, but like with somebody you've, you've known for your whole life uh, or, you know, or like has that, like, you know, they're a member of your extended family. uh, It might be a lot harder (laughs) to, uh, to do that. I think there's a political analogy too. I mean, I was talking to um, a little while ago, uh, I was talking to uh, Thaddeus Russell, uh, who uh, who is a um, you know, I mean, he's he's uh, you know not a comrade, but he uh, he's he's a but he's an insightful guy sometimes, and you know, he's, he's a smart guy, and he uh, uh, and and it's he's always an interesting conversation, and um, and I and we were talking about some like event that I'd potentially you know be doing, and you know, so like okay, a lot of people you'd be talking to, you know, this thing, or you know. Uh, are, are are libertarians and they're going to say things that you know what they like you know whatever and 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 I told him like yeah I don't really get mad at libertarians or conservatives like 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 I I can like argue with them without like really getting emotionally invested in it mm-hmm. uh, like 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 what I find myself getting mad at are other leftists yeah. uh, and, uh, and 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 Thaddeus had what I thought was an insightful comment which was um, which was yeah of course uh, the uh, you know, you're not like, you know, like, like you don't get as, as worked up about, you know, about the, uh, the libertarians cause, cause they're not family. Yeah. Uh, you, know, like you, get, you get upset when you think that the left is being ridiculous. Cause you know, cause that's, that's, that's the family and you know, that's the, uh, so, which is really, of course, what this book, uh, emerges from, which was my very, very intense frustration at the end of 2019 when I started writing it, uh, about, uh, about a lot of things that, that I thought that the, uh, uh, that the left was uh, was was screwing up and getting wrong, and there was there was a point. I'll, I'll admit, like this shows how how much my crystal ball is worth. There was a point in um, you know the end of 2019, the beginning of 2020, when I was working on this, uh, when uh, when I thought, man, it is entirely possible that by the time this book comes out in 2021, Bernie Sanders will be president. Uh, you know, and uh, because of that, like, you know, DSA will have grown to like 10 times, you know, its current size, you know, have like a million people in it. And, you know, and there'll be all Love these that rosy crystal ball you've got. I need one of those. <laughs> you know, there'll be all these like amazing things going on in real world politics in a book about how uh, the uh, the left is insular and moralistic and gets in its own way is just going to seem sort of weirdly irrelevant. <laughs> and I did not need to worry about that. Well, I guess you should always write your books for that possible future. <laughs> and then if, if that doesn't work, then you might end up in a better situation. Right? <laughs> um, so you mentioned the word crystal ball, and, and that sort of brings up a certain situation also uh, with that. So she's one of the, the people on the left that gets a lot of heat. Uh, yeah. She does, Kyle Kalinske, uh, right now uh, people like Bree Joy Gray, and yes, of course, even Jimmy Dore, uh, about sort of like <clears throat> hammering out these sort of like leftist possible positions I find. I don't know if I want to like, maybe I'm misrepresenting them and I don't want to like do yeah. it. That way, but they're they're sort of like a sort of cadre sort of forming over there that I think gets treated very antagonistically at times, and I'm not exactly sure. Like, I, I guess could you sort of like analyze analyze that whole sort of you know constellation and sort of like what it should what what is your sort of approach to you know engaging with folks that that in many of those cases are are good faith uh, disagreeing with us in good faith? Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, cards on the table. Uh, I feel very differently about some of the people that you just mentioned than some of the yeah. other people you just mentioned. Yeah, like a blunderbuss effect. Like it's almost like they're all over the place, just scattered. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so, kind of question. Yeah, I mean, um, 
yeah, I mean, Crystal Ball is uh, is is somebody I, I consider to be a friend. There have mm-hmm. been things that have come up that I've really disagreed with her about. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I I I think um, you know not to uh, not to bury the lead. You know, force the vote is the obvious example. Uh, but right. um, uh, you know, but I'll. I'll I, I feel like in her case, that was a friendly disagreement. Uh, I, sure. I don't you know in, um, in some other people's cases, you know, it was, it was much less friendly, uh, but, uh, but I, I think that there, I think that there's a big, like, I think part of how, part of what I see is oftentimes the problem about ways that uh, intra-left disagreements end up getting processed. Uh is and and there's a uh, there's an essay that I refer to a bunch of times in the book uh, that that I've always found really valuable from uh, Mark Fisher in uh, 2013 called Exiting the Vampire Castle, and uh, and you know the Vampire Castle is is kind of his his term for uh, basically the way that these kinds of uh, very cancelly trends in the larger culture intersect with the specific pathologies of the left and, and make the left worse uh, and. There's a point in that that essay where he talks about like the laws of the vampire castle, and one of them is uh, always essentialized. And what he means by that is that there's always this jump from uh, Jeff has a bad take to Jeff is literal garbage, right? You know, that like it's 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 always it you know it's always that like it's it's not just that like you think something that is wrong, uh, mm-hmm. it's that you're thinking that thing that is wrong reveals that your soul is, is, is corrupt. Mm-hmm. And, but and, again, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and I think that it's, I think that's just like a really bad way to, uh, uh, that's a really bad way to operate. I think that we have to be able to make distinctions, you know, and, and obviously I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, like um, I'm not suggesting that we have like, you know, civil friendly disagreements with Jeff Bezos, you know, like I, th- I, th- I think you can, I think you can, uh, I think you could make basic distinctions between friends and enemies. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and I think that if you, I think that if you can't, uh, I think that if you can't distinguish between uh, somebody who is basically on the same side as you, who you think is just getting it wrong in some ways mm-hmm. and somebody who is basically your enemy, then I think that you're not going to be very, uh, very effective. You know, I, I, cause I, cause, cause if you're, uh, cause if, if you, uh, if you treat, you know, if you treat allies as enemies, uh, that's just as counterproductive as treating enemies as allies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and if, and if everybody becomes your enemy, and it's like it, it's it takes nothing to make somebody your enemy if if, if it's just like instantaneous it's hair trigger mm-hmm. uh then uh then you're gonna be like uh you know you're gonna put off some very unpleasant vibes and uh most people are not gonna want to have anything to do with you yeah there's a certain complexity to to the way that you're gonna like have to argue these things out and um I know one of the things that uh, Michael Brooks used to say was that he he actually talked about an emotionally intelligent, mature left, which I think is really, really important, too, because, like, um, yeah, like you you literally need to be able to communicate your ideas and disagree. You're not going to agree with everything that everybody says. And then, like, if you if if you do and, and sometimes people will even like who you might erstwhile agree with will come with really really terrible positions and takes and then i know what i do when i'm when i'm thinking i'm wrong i double down <laughs> i get like, like <laughs> it even harder than i possibly like then you I, I try not to do this but but it, it's one of those things that that happens right and yeah. and um oh like, to- to- totally and, and by the way i'm sure i'm sure there are like a hundred points in this discussion in the book uh where where somebody who uh has a really good memory uh, could be like, wait a second, Ben, haven't you done this thing that you're, uh, that you're talking about? And the answer is going to be like, almost always. Yeah, I have. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> you know, like uh, this is, this is uh, cause, cause one, I'm, I'm not immune to all the psychological incentives that, you know, get people to act this way. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, this is something I, I really see is like one, like this is, this is one of the reasons that in the book, 
like one of the decisions I made about how to write it was that I didn't even want to um, like, okay. So for example, uh, one of the claims of the book is that um, is that the distinction between uh, liberals and like radical socialists is not always as clear in practice as I would uh, like it to be. Uh, you know, not in the sense that, you know, liberals are secretly socialists or something. I don't think that's true, but in the sense that um, in the sense that oftentimes, um, you know, people who who really identify with the left uh, are very influenced by uh, the ways of doing things that are, that are taken from, from liberalism. Mm -hmm. uh, And, uh, and that we, that's where we get a lot of this sort of, um, you know, version of, of uh, social justice politics that oftentimes feels like a visit from the HR department, right. uh, you know, but, um, but one of the decisions that I made about how I was going to write about that is that like, I wasn't going to like call anybody like a, like a rad lib or anything like that, you know, because, cause, cause I, not that you I don't doing that. the exact same thing that you're like trying to talk about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause it's not that I don't think there's any truth to that critique, but like, I think that the worst thing that you can do is just say, Oh, you are essentially this thing that's bad. Right. Yeah. And, and so the only way of like coming back from that is just to sort of objectively apologize, you know, for, for being so bad, like have like a road to Damascus conversion. And, <laughs> and I think that, I think that when we're talking about disagreements, Again, we can make reasonable friend-enemy distinctions here. There are some people, um, you know, who just have to be defeated. But like when we're, uh, but when we're talking about disagreements on the left, and and we're talking about ways that the left often does things that are that are bad and, and pathological and counterproductive and toxic, uh, I, I think the better way to approach it is that we need to do better. Yeah. And, and I really do mean that first person plural, right? We need to do better. Like, yeah. like I, uh, I, I, I have done tons of does not model what an emotionally intelligent left would look like. Yeah. Uh, but I, I know I'd like to do better. And I'd also like to urge everybody else to do better. Yeah. Uh, let me pause for station ID. And I want to get into one more specific on the situation that's uh, popping up now. But uh, you're listening to WHIV LP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade. Uh, we have Ben Burgess on the show. He is the author of the book, Canceling Comedians While the World Burns, a critique of the contemporary left. Uh, you can get more information on his website. Um, BenBurgess.com, right? Yep. Look at me doing my homework. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, on this sort of same kind of question, uh, what, uh, so I want to talk about Glenn Greenwald for a minute. And like, he's one of the people that is sort of going through like this kind of situation. I don't want to like put him as like a, a yeah. sub, like, I don't want to put him as like an object here. He's He's definitely had his own share of like, um, you know, a lot of the things that he's saying specifically with respect to things like um, uh, trans folks and their, um, you know, what he uh, trans folks, bisexuals, all kinds of other things. He's posting a lot of cringe right now, just to be totally, completely like that's where I'm at here. But also uh-huh. like, at the same exact time, like this is a guy who's like literally uh, in like large part responsible for the Snowden leaks from about 10 years ago. You know, he's been doing like heavy investigative reporting and journalism for many, many years. Uh, right now he is basically responsible, not obviously he, he's played a part in the sort of um, investigations into the, um, to the uh, Lula um, and Lava Jato um, uh, essentially you know, operation to, you know, d- to discredit and, and uh, disqualify and imprison uh, Lula da Silva in, in Brazil. And it's sort of like, you know, it, there needs to be a, like an analysis on, on how um, the left sort of engages with this because you can't write off the good work that's being done entirely. However, how do you at the same time remain critical of the things that are potentially problematic, if you know what I mean? You know, it's 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 a, it's a very sort of complex uh, that particular case, but I don't think it's unique. Yeah. Uh, the Snowden example is kind of funny, by the way, because when the uh, the book was was sort of going through. Uh, final revisions and copy editing. Uh, one of the things that uh, John Hunt Publishing, which is the Zero Books parent company, uh, they they flagged two things as being potential legal issues that I, that I'd said in the book. 
Um, you know, and, and these are like, this is just, you know, zero is a, is a lefty, you know, yeah. uh, a publisher, but like, you know, John Hunt, you know, the parent company, that's just a normal, you know, uh, business. And so they, uh, they flagged, uh, they flagged two potential uh, legal issues from things that I'd said uh, that in both cases, uh, I talked about it with, with my editor, Doug Lane, and we agreed to keep them in because we thought it was fantastically unlikely that anybody would try to sue us for them. But uh, also if they did, it would be hilarious. And, uh, and, the, and those would be amazing <laughs> trials. Uh, and, uh, and the um, uh, one of them uh, was about uh, how the Snowden revelations uh, showed that James Clapper, the former head of the, of the NSA had uh, uh, lied through his teeth about, uh, about the um, uh, mass surveillance program. Which he literally did do, by the way, he like lied to Congress and like basically kind of got called out on the Congress floor by somebody like Ron Wyden. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, anyway, but, but like, 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 yeah, is, is that a verifiable fact? Yeah, it is a verifiable fact. And like, and, and while we were going back and forth about it, like I, I brought up a bunch of examples from, you know, mainstream publications, people who are pointing this out, you know, it's like a, James Clapper is not going to sue us for saying this, you know, this is, and, and, and if he did, we would win. Right. And then, uh, and then the other one was, uh, there was a, um, I'd referred to the uh, working conditions in the Amazon warehouses as being horrific. Uh, and they, you know, they were worried about that. Uh, but, uh, but I would seriously, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I would love it. Like they're, they're not going to, cause they're not this dumb, but yeah. I would love it. If Amazon sued us, uh, about, uh, you know, for, for calling their working conditions horrific, because then they'd have to actually go to court and like argue that their working conditions were not horrific. And like, I would just like, like, I think the whole discovery process, that would be amazing. Uh, but, I mean, like, there's articles already of drivers like peeing and pooping in bags and in bottles, you know? Yeah, yeah, and and it's and the rate of injuries is like yeah, uh, really high, even relative to the warehousing industry. Uh, it's uh, the the constant electronic surveillance. Uh, yeah, it's 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 horrific, but uh, but yeah, and and Greg Radewald uh, did um, like really heroic work in exposing uh, the. Um, you know what the NSA was doing, what Clapper was lying about, and then uh, which was like a this like crazy once in a lifetime story. And then again, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, just a couple of years ago, now he uh, he got uh, he he did it again, right? You know he he had um, uh, published um, these uh, these leaks about you know the Lava Jato operation and Sergio Moro, who was. Uh, the uh, the prosecutor, you know, who's the main uh, or the judge in that case, right? Yeah. Although he's kind of acted like a prosecutor, which was really the issue, oh, you know, sure. which, uh, <laughs> uh, who uh, who was who was breaking the law in numerous ways in this crusade to frame uh, Lula and and get the Workers Party out of power in Brazil, and uh, and and he he was the uh, the main you know journalist associated with you know obviously the the guy you know that hit the hacker. Uh, you know, entrusted with him with it because of the Snowden stuff. But I mean, he's also uh, since that, like, like since they started publishing those revelations, you know, he, uh, you know, he and his husband haven't gone anywhere that wasn't like in an armored car with armed guards because, because uh, he's in very real danger of being killed by fascists in Brazil all the time, which, which if we are interested in, you know, and again, one of the main themes of the book is that I think we should be uh, less interested in moral evaluation of individuals, you know, than, than, uh, than we often are. But if we are interested in the moral evaluation of individuals business, uh, all that buys uh, quite a bit of um, goodwill. Yeah. Goodwill from me. Um, so, I mean, I think that some of the, I mean, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, about um, who's going to heaven and who's gone to hell. He's got some indulgences, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Which brings us back to the Catholicism. So <laughs> right. together. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, he's, he's, he's I stop posting this cringe to be completely honest. And I do think he's doing a certain amount of damage, but like in context, like, like, like yeah. you can't just write somebody off like entirely for that. Yeah. yeah I think yeah, you know, I, go ahead. Yeah, I would also point out that um, so the main thing uh, with like with regard to the bisexual and trans stuff that I've seen at least is this conversation he had uh, with uh, you know with with Katie Herzog uh, yeah. you know, and uh, you know System Update and um, I, you know I watched the whole thing. Uh, I mean, there's a lot there that uh, I 
do not particularly feel any need as a um, as like a straight cis dude who has uh, who who would not claim to have a good sense of 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 what it's like to belong to to any of these identity categories. Uh, there's there's a lot of sort of stuff about you know tension points within that you know LGBTQ coalition that like I I, I just don't particularly have a take on. Uh, I will say that I think that some of the clips that I've seen going around of that interview, uh, I thought were a little misleading, uh, you know, because they, they sort of, they sort of take, um, you know, 30 seconds, you know, from like a 45 minute conversation uh, and, and, you know, just sort of take the 30 seconds that sound the worst. Uh, that's not to say that I don't necessarily have any disagreements with either of them about those, those, those yeah. issues. Uh, you know, I mean, anybody who, um, you know, what matters most to me about that issue is, um, is the, uh, is the civil rights, uh, is the civil rights aspect that, you know, that, that we, that like, um, anti-discrimination, you know, is, is incredibly important, you know, that your, uh, that your, your employer can't fire you, your landlord can't deny you housing, uh, you know, for being gay or trans or anything else. Uh, and, uh, the, the right to healthcare aspect that you know that, yeah. that the uh, that the trans people uh, get in, um, you know, get in, uh, you know, the uh, their medical uh, transition needs met, you know, is it is an, is a matter of the right to healthcare, which is something I care about a lot in general. Now, right. I do think that both of those people are in broad brushes on the uh, on the right side of those issues. Do do they um, is uh, does that mean that I think that that I think that there's nothing to criticize? for and any of that not necessarily i also think um i also think if we broaden it out right there are other things uh that that glenn has said that i've i've I found a bit cringeworthy uh the yeah. uh, i think um you know i think that oftentimes uh he you don't you don't think tucker carlson's a socialist <laughs> yeah that, that that would be the example that would most obviously come to mind uh and and, it, and that's also one of those things where it's like okay yeah did everybody get really excited about a six-word clickbait headline from the Daily Caller social media manager? Yes, they did. Right. Uh, but if you watch the whole thing that that clickbait was extracted from, mm -hmm. uh, was what he was saying right? Absolutely not. Right. Like, 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 like the the, the even even if you like watch the full discussion, you know, beyond the clickbait headline, uh, the the whole thing you know, I, I think was quite bad. Right. I mean, I did a whole segment about why, why I disagreed so much with it, that, which is basically, and this is like a longstanding complaint and not just with Glenn, but with a lot of other people, you know, that like, I can't stand it when people uh, buy the hype of uh, so-called right-wing populism, because there's no such thing. Right. Exactly. And, and, and yeah. And, and uh, like, uh, I think that, 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 what is required, I guess, in this situation, we could sort of say just sort of broadly, is all of the context, right? Like 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 providing providing context to it and 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 sort of um taking at least some level of good faith is necessary if you're ever going to have like essentially have any kind of an emotionally intelligent movement that's gonna have any chance of surviving. Cause if you start taking every sort of um, situation and every, every sort of conflict in the worst of faith, as you were saying, and you start to generalize and and and, and pathologize, you know, people, um, then essentially you're just going to be there by yourself or with your own very small cadre of, of people. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, I, I think that I mean, look, um, I mean, I I, I think uh, if there's one person I would actually uh, describe as literal garbage. Uh, the uh, you know it would be Tucker Carlson. Right, yeah, yeah. No contact could save him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I, I think he's a repugnant person, and 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 if I, um, uh, and and I, I think we might actually, frankly, you know, I think it's entirely possible we'll start to see much more of him on, you know, Repu in Republican politics in general. He's got such a cult following, you know, like like he might be, uh. uh you know, I, I, you know, like I, I think that uh, I think that he's a genuinely uh, bad and dangerous figure. And if, um, you know, if he, you know, if I was somehow invited to go on the Tucker Carlson show, which I don't think would happen, but if, uh, but if it did, uh, I would, you know, I would make a very different decision, you know, than 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 uh, than, than Glenn's made about that. I mean, I, I expect sure. 
I, I mean, I would go on, but you know, I, I, I would, I would, um, I think I would go on in such a way that I wouldn't be invited twice. Uh, <laughs> and, um, so, so I, and you know, and I think that some of that now, some of that is contextual sure. because I actually think that he, uh, cause, cause, cause I actually think that there's part of the calculation, uh, that, that he might've made there that, uh, the, um, that like he and his family actually do get some protection from, from, uh, from again, being, you know, killed by Brazilian fascists by the fact that uh, it would play badly on Fox news. If this guy who's on there all the time, you know, was, uh, was right. murdered. Uh, and, uh, but some of that's also because, because I think that, I think that Glenn does believe that, um, you know, I don't, I don't think he, he has any like socially conservative positions or anything, but I think he, I think he believes that there's, that there's been much more realignment than there really has been. And mm-hmm. that the, um, and that like the economic or foreign policy positions of some of these people are better than they are. And I, th- and I think that that's just, it's, it's, uh, it's hype, you know, it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. not true. It's uh, they, they like the, the more closely you look at any of these people's positions, you know, they're, uh, uh, they're, they're awful. I mean, like, they're just like, they're just, they're just regular Republicans with better, you know, with different branding. Right. Uh, you know, so so I really disagree with him about that. Uh, it's uh, you know, it's possible there might be some disagreements on the other, you know, on the other issues that you know that you that you uh, that you referred to earlier. Uh, I, I've I've seen, you know, like like I've, I've I've I you know I think that the man has been wrong about several things. Uh, sure. And, and I've I've said that when I thought it was true. On the other hand. Uh, the, uh, like literally like the first day I met Michael Brooks, one of the first conversations we had was about how much we both admired Glenn Greenwald. And I'm not going to like, um, uh, I, I, I'm not personally, you know, uh, ready to, uh, uh, to, to like to decide that he is, you know, uh, literal garbage or whatever people say on Twitter, uh, you know, um, you know, based on, uh, based on the fact that I think that he, he has some bad takes, especially because he's, uh, he's done like genuinely heroic things. And the fact that like, you know, Lula might, you know, be able to return to power in Brazil is as much due to him as to, as, as to the work of any other, uh, of, of, of any other individual. And, and then I think there's the larger point, which is that like any of these, any of these sort of like left or left adjacent figures, you know, that, that, that you know, that you've mentioned um, or, you know, uh, like people, any of these controversies like, oh, you know, what is Crystal Ball, you know, said, or, you know, what's, what's, uh, what's Glenn Greenwald said, or we could broaden it out and talk about like, you know, the girls from Red Scare or whatever, you know, like the, uh, like in all of these cases, beyond what whatever evaluation I might make of of these people as individuals, uh, I think there's a broader question, which which goes back to the discussion we were having about Rogan and all that, which is that this is um, if you can't handle somebody who agrees with you about like ninety seven percent of everything, like having some bad takes, then like. Good luck uh, winning over an overwhelming majority of uh, of the uh, the population to um, you know to change the world. I mean, you know, this is like I mean, forget workers of the world unite. This is like you know, this is like you know the three percent of the workers of the world who are right about everything and not problematic in any way unite. Yeah. yeah, and like yeah, if you think Glenn's like literal garbage, then I got bad news about your you know your cousin dave or whatever you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> i mean yeah that's true and like like yeah if we're going to be building a movement that's going to be like literally putting you know the power taking it away from the capital and putting it into the hands of workers then uh there's gonna have to it's gonna have to be tough it's gonna be emotionally tough and like like yeah that's it there's gonna just have to be um you have to, have to be able to sort of think these things through and contextualize it all. Um, and, you know, you said if you ever went on Tucker Carlson, you would never be invited back on. Well, let me just tell you, you were always invited back on to Good Morning Comedy and Purchase. The book is Canceling Comedians While the World Burns, a critique of the contemporary left. Um, you can get more information about that uh, from uh, benburgess.com. Uh, you can also watch Yellow on Break, but... Uh, when are y'all firing the machine back up for GTA? Uh, yeah, uh, GTA season two starts on 
uh, next Monday. Uh, so nope. uh, this this is and the uh, the the lineup uh, for those first few episodes isn't uh, isn't totally set, but there are a couple things that we already know that I'm excited about. Uh, we're uh, uh, we're gonna have uh, Toure Reed on, uh, you know, who uh, who's, who's somebody I'm a big fan of. Uh, of uh, got to reach out to him of his work. Um, uh, gonna have uh, gonna have Sam Cedar on to uh, talk about some of the highlights of uh, his uh, his many many debates with libertarians that I've enjoyed over the years. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so it, it should be, uh, it should be really good. I'm really excited about it. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much, Ben. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on, buddy. All right. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Thanks everybody for watching. Good morning, comrade. Listen to good morning, comrade. W H I V L P New Orleans. Love you. Bye.